Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss Shazam, abortions, and Clarice Starling. I don't want to waste one minute. Let's get right into it. Well, we're back again, Ryan. We're here. It happened. We made it. Listen, I was off last week, as you know, and uh, we, we had a great episode that we had done. You know what? Actually, I got to say, I got to say, I'm going to want to address this right now when I get out, out in front of this story. We did not talk about enough things in Mission Impossible 3. I, I realize now I was so th- th- hung up on certain things about the movie that I forgot about to talk about, like the interrogation scene, because I actually remember watching. I was going to make a note. Uh, the scene. Oh, I'm going to talk about a Mission Impossible three for a second. The the scene where where, where Ethan is torturing uh, torturing him. He threatens Owen Davian. Um, is that his name? Is that, is that right? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. When he we here's what I don't understand. These guys are the Mission Impossible Force. Okay, Impossible Mission Force. Sorry, trained in every skill. They speak multiple languages. They can become another person. They can use every type of weapon. D- d- was there really no training? That's like when you're torturing a highly a dangerous terrorist. Don't use your real name in any circumstance. <laughs> you know, in, in Ving Rams, yeah, Ving Rams is like Ethan, Ethan, don't do it, Ethan. This isn't you, Ethan. You're a good guy, Ethan Hunt would never do this. It's like maybe don't yell his name. His whole thing is like he's like, what's your name? Tell me your name, and then he's like, I'm not gonna tell you my name. And then uh, Ving Rams is like, hey, Ethan, don't do it. Don't. Your wife would be upset about this. Your wife, whatever her name is. Anyhow, you listen, the, the, the important thing is that we got to talk about Mission Impossible 3 at all, and also that it turns out, I didn't realize this until I tweeted about it, but it, apparently the new movie is like a, a spiritual successor to Mission Impossible 3. Anyhow, okay, so we had a, it's been a big week. It's been a lot happening. I mean, there's so much happening. I, uh, very little is funny. I, I mean, I, the last two movies I watched were The Dark Knight, which I revisited, which I have to say is a fucking crazy movie. Oh, yeah. It means a really... The first three, sorry, the first two thirds of it are very good. The back third is not good. Yeah, but well, that's Chris Ronald. But yeah, but the first ninety minutes is a long fucking movie. The first yeah. like ninety minutes is crackerjack. Oh, of course. Um, it's a, it's I mean it's a great film. Great film, but um, well, I mean it's a good film. It's a great film for two thirds, and then a okay it's, film. I think it's a. It's a great film with a superb performance I mean, in there the that ending, really lifts the film. There up. are many great performances in the film. I mean, yeah. even even now that I've like grown with into the comfort of that dumb voice, the Batman voice. I mean, because yeah. you know now everything's in relief of these DC movies. Which I, I was going to say compared wanna, to Affleck, I want to talk about all of the DC stuff for a second because Jeremy and I were talking about it recently in Slack, and I want to bring up. I don't know what you have in your news, but we're just talking. Uh, but the but the Dark Knight, the, it is so incoherent at the end. Uh, I mean, I mean, the, the explanation for what's happening at the end of the movie is like so like you didn't you just what you were just like, we got it's the last day we have. We're running out of money. We need to really wrap this up somehow. Yeah. And they're like him and Jonathan Nolan, like sat in a trailer for an hour. And we're like, what if he's like, um, I don't know. He's like, he's got to be a bad guy because the city needs a bad guy. And it's like he should be bad so uh, Commissioner Gordon could be good. I don't know. I guess that kind of like people won't notice. It's like Westworld. They're like, no yeah. one will notice. Yeah. But none of this makes any sense. Yeah. Um, but also we watched Signs of the Lambs last night. Uh, well, two over two nights, you know, because we're 
we watch movies very slowly. Uh, you know, and uh, interesting, I gotta say, that film is fucking crazy. When was the mm-hmm. last time you saw it? Have you seen it? Oh, I, well, I feel like I watched that once a year. Now, it's, what I didn't, what I, what I immediately started thinking about is that, you know, in, in, in 2018, there's a lot of stuff in that movie that, you know, in some ways was, was handled like better than I expected. And obviously, in other ways, in the grand scheme of things, and I read some interviews with Jonathan Demi. Um, where he was talking about the, the portrayal of, of gay people in films and, and in that era, right? Yeah. And and it's like a very obviously like, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, it is a, the you know, the killer in the films, by spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Silence of the Lambs, is, is not really trans. I mean, it's like, it would be, you could classify it in the, is like, okay, this is sort of an idea of a trans person. It's a person who wants to become it's, it's, uh, a it's different. It's queerness as perversion. Yeah, but it's also, but, but what, one of the points that he made, which I think is true if you watch the movie, is that this is, there's all this like Nazi stuff in his house mm-hmm. and like and one of the things that they say uh, Hannibal Lecter says about him is that he's tried a bunch of different things. He just wants to change. He's tried a bunch of different things, but yeah. none of them stuck. Well, and, the one they chose as the most cin- cinematic as horrifying for audiences was queerness as opposed to having him be in a phase uh, any other phase. This is the phase that he was in because it well, is the most like it was the most skin crawling to see like a him tuck his dick. Oh, well, that scene gross. is I mean that scene it's is like fucking go to a drag bar. So that scene so it's interesting because that we watched that you know i mean just probably 12 hours ago i was watching that or whatever and it is an unsettling scene for lots of different reasons Mm -hmm. i mean i think he's wearing partial a part of the skin suit that he's making Mm -hmm. and so that part is you know upsetting um but i mean all of that is trans allegory i I don't it doesn't need to be intentional to be like really offensive like the whole like making a skin suit out of women for a queer person to put on while he tucks his dick like that shit but i don't know but i think not great but okay so listen so but i and this is what i laura and i were talking a lot about last night like i'm not sure and i'm not trying to cut him any slack i still think the movie's excellent but it's from a period it's a good movie it's from a certain it's a period that is now you look at it in through a lens of okay there's a lot we really were not addressing yeah, in a healthy way, but you know, you can have a character. You can have a character where those are there are elements of the character that are still true to what they do without it being quite as I think like paranoid about like being you know queer or trans or whatever. Like because mm-hmm. that's the way it comes off, right? It's like this like oh this weird thing, this like subculture that is so crazy. But I do also think they d- make an effort in the film to point out that like he's. It's his misinterpretation in many ways of mm-hmm. of what he thinks he wants. Yeah, like a lot of it is like that he is taking something and do trying to do something with it. The idea because like that's not what no one's if making a skin suit. If you made this movie you know? today, the way that you would make that point and the way that you would effectively make that point is to cast a trans actress in a in the role to be a consultant or something like so we see a normal version like a healthy person's version of 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 like a functioning adult who uh as as a counterpoint so that when you actually see buffalo bill you're like this isn't a trans person this isn't a queer person this is like a well, psychotic you could, have a, you could have a you could definitely have a series of conversations or scenes in that film where she's talking to people i mean the, she herself the, could have been a trans in the, person in the, or in the lgbt you know cute community yeah and and was actually like you saw, like they were like, she yeah, could have been a yeah, this person was, it was in this club. But they do have, yeah. but you know, what's interesting. There's a lot of subtext in that movie that I never picked up on before. First off, Clarice has these relationships, they have conversations with women mm-hmm. in the movie. Like, I don't know, she has like this friend who's in school with her, the other, she's in like yeah. FBI school. And I feel like they're 
intimating that their relationship is more than friends. Like, yeah. They seem like they're it's like— It's just weird that that's subtext where the Buffalo Bill stuff is, like, screaming neon sign text. Right. Well, then also—but then also, like, there's a ton of, like, sexual harassment stuff going on mm-hmm. with her with every man she talks to, particularly the guy, the FBI guy, the boss, who's, like— an insane fucking creep. And I never really noticed it as much as like the last time I watched it where like they, 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 they when they first meet or like when, when he congratulates her, there's this close up of their handshake and his hand is like really like grabbing her and it's like a f- tight shot of their hands. And I was like, Oh, like he's like, He's supposed to be like a creep. Like, that's, that's why I've always we're... thought of Clarice Starling as like spiritually similar to, um, uh, I forget her name from the girl with the dragon tattoo. Um, uh, yeah, uh, sort of uh, like uh, uh, Elizabeth Sander. Uh, Elizabeth Salander. Uh, uh, Salander. Uh, yeah. Is it? Is it? It's not Elizabeth. Is it just it's Elizabeth? Elizabeth. Yeah, Salander. Mm-hmm. It's a cool name. It's. You know they have a new movie. There's a new one coming out. Yeah, I don't know about it's that. It's like the girl. It's like the girl who was in the book it's... after the guy died who wrote the books. Yeah, but so <laughs> I, I always thought of it, of it as like a spiritual successor. Like Jurassic yeah. Park is a spiritual successor to Frankenstein. As like um, these both of these women have been abused by men, and so they understand men in ways that men. Don't understand themselves. Wait which a is... second. Jurassic Park is a spiritual successor to Frankenstein. To Frankenstein. Let me process that. Is that a known thing? I think so. Is that a? I, well, I mean, maybe I'm saying it, but I. What I... about the island of Doctor Moreau? Sure, there can be multiples. I think Jurassic <laughs> Park is saying like we're going to take all these parts of these dead things and reanimate life, wow. and um, like what what hath science wrought? We mm. thought we could just make do. We thought we could play, play God. God. Yes, ends yeah. up you can't. It goes yeah. wild and kills everybody. But is it its fault because it's just doing what's in its nature? That's blah, right. blah 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 blah. That's blah. right. At any rate, Silence of the Lambs, interesting movie. Yeah. Certainly food for thought. Uh, it still is very upsetting. I mean, not not for not for its like its sort of missteps on how it handles, you know, some of the stuff we're talking about, but, like, it's just, like, an unsettling film for lots of reasons. Yeah. And moody as hell. It's definitely a good movie. There's, like, several twists in it. Like, I forgot how twisty it is. It's, like, the movie's about Buffalo Bill, and Hannibal Lecter's like, oh, I'm going to give you some advice, and I'm going to be kind of wily, and that, you know. And then it's, like, halfway through the movie, it's like, oh, shit, now there's two fucking crazy serial killers (laughs) we have to deal with. And then there's that whole twist about how Hannibal Lecter gets away, which is fucking insane. It's like a little suicide and then there's squad. The, and then they literally do, like, basically what Westworld Season 1 was predicated on, which is, like, that whole scene where they go to the house. You're like, oh, they're at the house, and she's just knocking on doors, and it's like, oh, you're fucking with us. Like, you're basically giving us, like, two timelines that don't match up. Yeah. And it's a complete, like, mind fuck. Yeah. Anyhow. All right, let's just read up on news. Well, this is I, not, well yeah. one more thing. Uh, oh, oh I, do, I, took about... more, I want to talk about some of this uh, DC stuff, but go ahead. Okay, but while we're doing media recommendations, you were saying there's not there's not a lot of laughs to be had. Um, I would heavily recommend everybody watching Annette on Netflix, which is Hannah Gadsby's uh, comedy special. I watched the trailer for that, but I, can I say something? Yeah. It looks like a, like a downer. It, it is and it isn't. Um, so it, she like, does. Speaking of laughs, this thing is kind of a. Well, the first half of it is a regular stand-up show, and the second half of it's sort of like a commentary on what you just saw. Oh. And it is a downer, and mm. you definitely it will make you emotional, but it's also super hopeful. And mm. it was like a breakthrough thing, not just for me as a comedian, but for like a person in the world. And mm. I was like, fuck. And so if you haven't seen it, and you've been seeing it everywhere, and you're like, hmm, I would just give it your time. I've heard a lot of people talking about it. I've seen a lot of people recommend it. Uh, this. Now it gives me 
I'm deep, more deeply interested in. It sounds interesting. I mean, that's it's interesting that it's split in that way. I didn't yeah. know. I, I it was unclear. I don't know the trailer is doing because they don't want to give anything away, and, and I'm not. Right. Gonna, I'm not going to. Yeah, but it's like format it breaking and fun. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. interesting. Oh, okay, really. Cool. I want to talk about. It's, I don't DC. know. If it's on, I want to talk about these these DC stuff. So God, off, this Titans movie. Titans. Is it a movie? Is a show? It's a movie. It looks like a fucking CW show. No, it's a show. Titans is a show. That's a show on DC's like exclusive streaming. I thought that was a movie. I mean, Jeremy was like, "No, you're gonna get multiple episodes of Robin." Are you fuck fucking fuck Batman. kidding me? You know, I understand me? every episode ends with him saying "fuck Batman." No, no, but like he like okay, so like okay, I love that they're the music in the trailer is that like, um, have you ever seen the video that's like, "I've got avocados and bananas." No, <laughs> it's like a parody of that Halsey voice that everybody's singing oh, yeah, in yeah, that yeah, like yeah, the affected baby voice, the baby big voice. accent tumbler. It's like Pischetti. We used to um, there's a singer who was it? She has a song and we're like. Oh, it's Grimes. Originally, when I first heard Grimes, I'm like, does she say Piscetti at some point? Because it sounds like it literal baby talk. Is you know, yeah, it grew on me. But like, there's like a vine where yeah, this yeah. guy's like, "Welcome to my kitchen," yeah. and he like just holds <laughs> things up in his kitchen, and he says like avocados <laughs> and bananas. And it's like, that sounds great. <laughs> where are you from, Europia? Can you splice in uh, in the edit. Put that into the. Uh... Welcome to my kitchen. We have bananas. In Anyhow, you um, and Uma Thurman have that accent. Uh, so the Titans thing looks. Insane. Jeremy was like, "Is this real?" He's like, "I had to, I had to like had to Google it." Looks like around. a fan film. It looks like one of those trailers. It's like Superman Returns or whatever. And you're like, "Oh shit!" There's a Superman trailer, and then it's like they cut together some like Henry Cavill movie <laughs> yeah. and put like some like slow motion Superman logo in it, and, and then like, like Evanescence comes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like. <laughs> It's like like Lincoln Park. Work me up! Yeah, and yeah. Superman's like coming up. Yeah, and they, but it's they like put in their own effects. But it's like, after video, it's like it's like Superman from a video game, and then yeah. it's like Henry Cavill from another movie, and like he's got like a hat on. <laughs> Anyhow, I fucking hate those things. Oh, um, that trailer was so bad. But um, especially because that show is so good. Both I actually like Teen one? Titans what? Go. Teen Titans is That's fun. All of, yeah, all of the Teen Titans things have been on Cartoon Network yeah. or on Disney or wherever, and they're good. So no, very they're going good. Through. This is like DC's thing is like. Poor and then Tara there's, Strong then there's, there's, has that movie a, out right now, which is like the Teen Titans Go to the Movies movie, oh. and it's got gotten fantastic I reviews. I don't know. I know this is all very meta. I don't understand that. But then, okay, hold on, wait. Then there's Shazam. Oh God, yeah. Okay, Shazam. okay Shazam is is a DC character, correct? Did Zack Snyder do Shazam? No. No. Okay. Shazam looks so fucking bad. I know. No offense to Zach, Zachary, I know, Le- and Levi, I, I like Levy, him. whatever. I love him. And as, I like Shazam. I love him in the role of Flynn Rider in Tangled, okay? <laughs> uh, which is the best Disney animated film, and uh, don't at me, okay? <laughs> don't at me. I won't, but you're um, wrong. <laughs> no. What's the, what do you think is the best Disney animated film? Um, my or favorite or, or the best? My favorite's Aladdin. The best mm-hmm. is Beauty and the Beast. Wow. Aladdin is, Aladdin is very problematic, as is uh, Lilo and Stitch. Uh, Beauty and the Beast. I don't, is I've never best. seen Lilo and Stitch. Beauty and the Beast is fucking insane. I tried to watch it with Zelda, and it's like it's great. really outrageous. I love it. I think I'm including Pixar in this. Oh, because they're Disney, right? Well, that's tough because Toy Story Three is a real juggernaut. I don't, I don't know if I've seen it. Is that it's, the one where uh, it fucking crushes? Is that the one where the kid gets killed? No. Just kidding. I made that up. I don't know if that happened. <laughs> I was like, what? Is that the one where? where you're thinking of Up? Is that the one where <laughs> uh, the where Tim Allen comes out? His character. You know what? But no, that even the happen? best, <laughs> that the best I made that up all Disney time. movie is the first 15 minutes of Up. The rest of that movie sucks. The first 15 minutes, never that's seen, the best never Disney seen movie. Up. I won't watch it. I refuse. Too depressing. Yeah. That's that's the Nanette you know of what Disney I like? movies. I like that Wreck-It Ralph film. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, Wreck-It Ralph is like... I've watched it with Zelda. She was very young. She won't watch it now because it's too scary. But she doesn't like movies. 
weird they didn't get a Kingdom Hearts reference into the movie Wreck-It Ralph. Now that I'm I think there is it. one. Are you sure there isn't one? I don't think there is. Well, there will be. Anyway, DC movies. Hold Shazam, on. Shazam looks fucking terrible. Looks terrible. Okay, then Aquaman. <laughs> okay, dude. I mean, how fucking bad like how do you not it is honestly like dc is like and by the way i don't even like the fucking marvel movies although i have to i say, would love i would love a good dc movie i, I was know, a dc I kid i would I, so was i i was a batman kid i, I mean i like spider-man too a lot so sure I mean, like i like the x-men i was gay but like I mean, batman was my dude batgirl I mean, batman, I mean, is my i stand for batgirl i mean listen I, the original when the original batman came out then it tim burton one i mean there was such a huge it was such a huge moment the animated for series oh the, action the, the animated series in the 90s was fantastic Fantastic. I mean, that's what I grew Batman up Batman Returns, on. As, as everyone knows, is the best Batman movie. Catwoman rocks. I've said many times. Anyhow. Um, but but I have to say, it is crazy to me. It is like they are the they are the anti. I mean, they are like the anti-Marvel. And I don't mean like they're Not against them. Way. No, I mean like they are a black hole <sighs> where light goes to die it's so sad i mean also they're so i mean the aquaman thing is like look i know by the way i made a joke about aquaman on twitter which again never tweet but i thought it was pretty good i don't know if you've seen my tweet about aquaman i didn't see it it's very good you should look it up um it was a conversation between a movie executive and Zack snyder about what aquaman oh i did see that (laughs) yeah (laughs) i thought it was a very good tweet i really it it came into my head and i was like i'm gonna do this people i have to say guys who commented to me who were like Oh, shows what you know. Uh, Aquaman really predates Thor by good. like twenty years. Like I don't. I'm not talking about it's the comics. Joke. It's a joke. I don't. So I don't care. It's a joke. How when? It's like it's a Are joke. You, wait. Oh, oh. I'm sorry. Is DC paying you? Yeah. No. Right. Okay. Then no, don't I fight like, their battles. I was them. like, listen. You you've got to find something better in life to care about. You just do. You just anything. Need it. Honestly, it doesn't matter. I spent a decade of my life obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I sent out two tweets about the reboot and have moved on. Yeah. That's it. I mean, oh, I'm an a, adult man. Yeah. There's a Buffy reboot. Who's in it? It looks like shit. Okay. Of course it does. Everything new is bad. It looks real. But, bad. but I wish it the best. But it's gonna be garbage. But Spike in it? Nope. Okay. He's like a billion years old now. Mm-hmm. Old Spike would be cool though. Did he die? I don't know. Don't no spoiler. Vampires can't age. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, let's that, talk about at least two news stories from the real I just world. Say, I just want to say one thing. Fine, we can do that. But I just want to say one quick thing. Um, it is almost a talent how bad they've made these movies. I oh, it's <laughs> almost it's almost verges into like I'm impressed. Like, how do you keep making them so yeah. bad? Like, each one is worse than the last. I don't understand Even... how Suicide Squad could be a bad movie. It was so stacked with stars, funding, development oh time. Suicide... I forgot about Suicide Squad. I, I mean, you could have just ripped off one of the comic books. Just one of them. They're like, all look, fine. Look, everybody's like, oh, Wonder Woman's good. It's like, mm, Wonder Woman's great. It's okay. Uh, Wonder Woman's great. It's like Wonder Woman's great Wonder because Woman's great. everything that's been around it is so bad. It like No, I it loved up. it. I cried. I cried. I came home and talked to John for three hours about the philosophy of the film. I loved it. I don't know. I thought the, the villain was really dumb. The villain was dumb. Like, I'll give oh, you that. Just some random. I'll give you that. Like. The villain volcano. was dumb in that movie, and the back third the, of the Dark Knight sucks. The, yeah, but, you but they're know, both great. I, did, I have to say, Wonder Woman was an enjo- was much more enjoyable to watch. Than it was a good movie. Films. You can at least say it was a good movie. I liked. I said yeah. it was good, and I don't really, I don't really care for Wonder Woman as a character, and I because I don't like her or Superman because you're fucking boring. But wow. I loved the movie. I so. mean, Wonder Woman has a really interesting backstory. Yeah. Okay. For Batgirl. <sighs> okay, so two real news stories from the real world. We yeah, gotta, and then we gotta at least move on. try. Yeah. Um, we could talk about the Trump tapes or Facebook stock prices falling. You pick your poison. I'll go with Facebook first. Yeah. 
Uh, who could have seen this coming? <laughs> Facebook's in trouble. Uh, you know what? First off, I'm sure they'll bounce back. I guess I don't know, but let me tell you. Listen, something. Mark and at Jack are going to be fine, but every time they suffer, it feels real good for me. All I have to say is this: nothing lasts forever. Yeah, everything dies. You build your you build your castle on the sand, bitch. And and, and the best thing that everybody can realize, the most important thing everyone can realize right now, is Facebook is not the internet, and it doesn't have to be. You only allow it to be when you give it your time and attention. Mm-hmm. You can be free anytime you want. Yep. The answer is inside. Look within yourself. I feel the same way. Anyhow, fuck Facebook. You know, listen, I mean, I, we use Facebook because it's a part of the work. You've got to, right? I have to have the, for events, it's for the, work. No, and I'm saying we, at the outline, we promote stories on Facebook because there is an, there is an there are people who yeah. are, are finding the stories there. We, it is not the source, the highest source of traffic for us. We are, we have a pretty diverse source of, set of traffic, you know, social is part of it, but it's not all of it and not even close. And I'm happy to know that we have options when it comes to where people find those stories. But I think that, you know, Facebook is, um, I mean, Facebook is, look, you know, we ran a story uh, yesterday about InfoWars, about how, like, YouTube and Facebook, like, will refuse to basically just say these people are bad actors spreading garbage into our system and we're going we're gonna to stop it. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest, well, I was going to bring this up. This the, is, this is. The, the, the great mistake that, that all of these companies have made, and they've allowed themselves to now be put in this position where Trump's like talking about how it's illegal, it's illegal to shadow ban people on Twitter. It's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's like if you want to, you can stalk MindConf or not, or you can put MindConf. Uh, look, here's the deal. Twitter's a bookstore. Facebook is a bookstore. Mm-hmm. Okay. They want to put MindConf on the, on the shelf in the back of the uh, place under Nazi fucks. That's their prerogative and their choice because they're a private business, for-profit for business. Mm-hmm. They're not a free speech platform. They're not violating somebody's freedom of speech. They're running a business. When you're posting on Twitter and Facebook, you're in someone's house. Mm-hmm. You're in their restaurant. You don't have to abide by every rule of uh, – nobody can – If you let's put it this way. If you run a restaurant, somebody comes in and starts screaming, you can ask them to leave or you can tell them to be quiet. Listen, it's like fire in a crowded theater. You you don't you're not guaranteed admission to the theater. Once you're in, if you start yelling stuff that's illegal, you'll be removed, and uh, that's that. I mean, it's not your God-given right to go into a movie and and start violence and start and start right. So like, so why would why do we think? So their biggest mistake is they're like, that's what we do. We're a free speech platform. It's like, no, shut you're the not. fuck up. You're why for, would you even why would you even set precedent? You're in a that? for-profit business. You are. Here's what you really are: is a glorified comment section. And you know what I learned running comment sections. You get the fucking ban hammer out. You ban the fuck out of people who yeah. violate the community rules. You know what's great? Moderators. Moderators who you trust to police the activities of your users are very, very useful. And if Facebook and Twitter don't want to cop to the idea that they need moderators, then they're completely fucking insane. Well, Twitter and face- Facebook at least has the ability to silo yourself into separate communities that are can even be self-governing. So if you just want to be part of a Facebook group, I'm not saying it's great. Facebook's terrible. But Twitter, the problem is it's just a mass, a sea of people, and there's no way to stop people from commenting yeah. about you or to you yeah. or harassing you. It's a comment you. section. Look, it's a comment section with, with – look, we at AOL, we learned that having an open system where anybody could log in – with any kind of email address or whatever and have an anonymous presence on there 
I mean, we, we like begged our developers to change the system and we eventually did. And they were like, but then you'll have fewer people commenting. We're like, yeah, that's the idea. We don't want every single person who just decided who just decided that they were going to say something awful or yeah. impersonate somebody or drop some shitty fucking picture in. Listen, and, and that's we can like, talk about Gawker and, and its problems for a long time, but the, there was a moment at which they had cultivated a very successful comment section that actually had something additive to the articles. And, yeah. and it was through banning people and promoting specific voices and taking away privileges and yeah. i mean just it's just like look it's not it's just so anyhow so facebook's woes like I, all i can say is you, you made your bed you've created this system where you wanted to be mark zuckerberg wants to be the internet you don't get to be the internet if you're facebook number one it should be broken up i think it should be regulated like a motherfucker i think their ad monopoly should be regulated zephyr teachout was was talking about this yesterday um their ad monopoly should be regulated. Their uh, their encroachment on the internet should be regulated. I think the same is true for Google. And if we don't get some politicians that can actually do that in the near future, we're really. I mean, dumb. Amazon Web Services is but the what, entire internet. But That's what we shouldn't terrifying. have. But what we shouldn't have is is these Republican, these right wing nut jobs. Who are like, what about diamond and silk or whatever? Which is like, that's I can't, not. I can't. This is not the, the fact free... that Jack Dorsey is going to the meet yeah. meetings. These guys are all such. They're all such spineless. They're all such spineless fucking dummies like uh, really do you think i should let diamond what's gonna silk happen tweet more? guess what guess what they can fuck off diamond silk can go on gab or whatever let them let them hang out on gab you know let them yeah. hang out on on they can go on the infowars website yeah the idea that like you're like you owe it to them you don't know them shit but you know, facebook you made like, its bed and to quote aladdin you want to be an all-powerful genie wow Wow. That's what they wanted. They wanted to be the internet. Great. Does he well, wish, we regulate does he the fucking more, internet. Does he wish for more wishes than Aladdin? No, he can't. It's against the rules. Oh, well, that's stupid. Like, One last thing. Yeah, let's do it. Um, Trump Cohen tapes and the articles of impeachment have been filed for Rod Rosenstein. Well, those, that, the articles of impeachment stuff already got knocked back, I think. I think uh, I think it's already been struck down. Or I think Dealt Paul with. Ryan I think Paul Ryan was like, no, hey, we're not doing out. this. Uh, and then the Trump Cohen stuff. The, the conversation alone, this is what I, I took away from it, whether you think it's Trump being uh, on the up and up by saying like, uh, you know, like, I don't know what I don't know what you th- what you think Trump's saying. And Trump is the president, then a Republican no- a nominee for president talking about a backroom deal to one one pay off, use pay a, up another use a, use a media outlet. To pay for you to cover a story for and a you. shell company, and then two for your lawyer to pay off a mistress, and it's dirty. And this is just one little segment of a conversation. Now, I'm not. And saying... And here's what the conversation really is: it's like, okay, all this stuff happened in 2016. That's all fucked up. But also, he just lied about it and was immediately proved wrong. He's been lying about it nonstop. It's, it's like Sarah Sanders has been lying about it. Now, here's what I don't. Does anything matter? Well, this is the thing. If this were Obama. I really oh. believe this. Oh. I really believe this. If this were Hillary Clinton, I think if this were any President Clinton but pays think, off mi- her mister. But I think one thing about I on. think, but I think one thing about um the Democrats, I'm not saying this is like up and down the line, but they are very quick to to burn their own people. Oh <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like Al Franken show. Nobody was jumping to Al Franken's defense. They're like, get nope. out, Al. Bye. And like, yeah, okay, you got the moral high ground. How is that helping? The me? Republicans never do that. How's that helping? They me? could be like they're like, literally like Roy Moore is like a child rapist or whatever, and, and then they, they turn around. And they're like Pat Oswalt one time tweeted about how pretty his daughter was. Look at this pedophile! Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. they have no, it's no, complete they, hypocrisy. Upset, they don't give a shit. There's also this weird. I mean, this is a separate thing, but anyhow. But like, all I want to say is this: I I think that that Obama would have resigned already 
just from that tape, there would have been a resignation. Mm-hmm. There would have been a push from everybody. Nancy Pelosi would have been apologizing. Yes, yes. there would have been Chuck Schumer would have been like, people. "This is unacceptable. We don't we don't accept." But the point is, all I'm saying is, in, in Fox News, they would have like literally gone into. There'd be 17 Reddits be spurting, about conspiracy theories. Blood would be spurting out of everywhere, or whatever Trump says. Yeah. Um, you know, but or like, wherever. Yeah, he's <laughs> a fucking idiot. Um, but uh, bing bong, bing bong, bing bong, boom. But um, <laughs> the the just look. I mean, look, this guy's so rotten. He's just such a bad. By the way, I'm not. It's not about morality. I don't care if he wants to have an affair. That's his business. I shit. Honestly, it's I don't lying I, and the covering I honestly, up and the. It's right. It's all that stuff, and it's the fact that he. It's literally, the same thing with Clinton. He shouldn't have lied. That's agree, what it is. I agree, Clinton. The move should always be, yeah, I did it. I fucked sure. up. Sure. Yeah. Just, you know what? I did it. I'm an. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Now I'm in big trouble. Not going to ruin this 23 year old's fucking entire life by making this into. I'm not trying to, and I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to sugarcoat Clinton because that was a very fucked up situation. But I, I feel the same way about that as I, when it comes to their personal lives, which is to say. Now I think an intern. No, it's super. That gets fucked into up. a pretty great, not good area, bad area. Listen, it's all fucked up, but I'm just saying that bad, the, I would say it's a the bad lie area to be. is the just line, as bad. The line is, but but what I'm saying is the whole thing is so. It's just so slimy, and it's the lying is so insane. He's lied so many times and in so many different ways about it, and as have his people. What do you think that? What other things are they lying about? This is just the tip but of the here's iceberg. here's the thing. I went to, so I went home for the weekend to, for a family reunion. I think we'll wrap on this, but yeah, I, sure. I went home for the weekend for a family reunion. And um, I said to my dad, I couldn't, I like couldn't help myself. I just want to feel safe and comfortable with him again in like a larger sense. And so I was like, I'm just going to ask you this once and you can tell me and then we won't talk about it anymore. But are you comfortable with everything going on there's nothing that has given you pause about the trump administration or him being the president and my dad was like nope and it was like okay you're part you're part of this base that it nothing will ever affect you nothing will affect your vote nothing it is just complete blind loyalty everything that you don't like is fake everything that you do like is like the only thing that matters it's just a cult of personality and they are so concerned with servicing their base because they're scared they'll be punished by them their base would support anything they do but i actually think this bodes well for us because if they keep fucking chasing the approval of people who who are going to approve everything they do, and so they just keep going lower and lower and yeah. more to the right, more to the right, and yeah. more disgusting. Yeah. They're the swing voters who are a real voting block. My yeah. mom is a swing voter. She's yeah. a real voting block. Who does she are vote for? never going to touch. She voted for Hillary, but it was with a lot of like, How does she feel I don't now? know about How does she her. feel now? There is quiet moments of like, she doesn't talk about politics around my dad, but there's moments where we'll be on the phone and I'm like, can you believe this? She's like, She'll get like emotional. Like, of course not. Like, of course she, she's she being affected. Not, she would not vote for Trump in the next. No. Election. Oh my God. She's not going to vote for any Republican so, in the next election so, because so, of this. But I think it's actually good because f- swing voters are never going to vote. So I think I, I agree. I mean, I think as long so, as gerrymandering doesn't ruin this. Well, we, this is this is. I mean, this is, and I think I've said this before, and I hate to you know beat a dead horse, but because um, you know it's like dad, leave it alone. Um, <laughs> The question now for me is like, I look, know. the I feel I'd, I'd like punch a dead horse. What I honestly, what if if you're if you were like a Trump, a, a Trump, you know, MAGA fanboy, whatever, in in 2016, are you? Do you feel? What I'm what I'm wondering is like, is there a a, a renewed like a renewed sense of excitement about Trump? Are you feeling like yeah, like is your dad? He maybe doesn't have regrets, but what I'm wondering is, is I think there's a 30 to 35 percent of the country that it's just they just they vote. 
they support Trump, they're going to go out and do it. I think there's a 5 to 10% who support Trump. They don't always vote. Do you know what I mean? This is what I'm I'm saying. So I'm saying that That, as we get towards midterms here, are people feeling like, is there a groundswell of support for all of these like Trump related, uh, you know, all these Republicans? I think there was a Brexit style excitement to be trolly. And I don't think these people are going to go vote in 2018. I don't think these people are voting in the midterms. And then so the question is like, is there a groundswell? Is there a grassroots movement of people who maybe weren't voting or thinking of have now are newly, I think on the left newly minted voters people who just turned 18 uh younger people older people who sat it out because they were like it doesn't matter or Hillary's going to win no matter what so what I have to but what I'm holding on to is my shred of hope for everything is that that it is that that Trump's very I mean I'll say mediocre to be generous okay his mediocre performance I mean, I think it's been a disaster. I think it's the worst in history, but let's it's be generous. very bad. It's very bad. But that his performance doesn't excite anybody right now. He didn't he looks, do. He looks messy. He looks confused. There's all this tariff stuff. There's this farming but subsidy these, stuff. His, his base doesn't go out and vote because he likes Russia. They went out and voted because they wanted tax cuts and they wanted their health care to be cheaper and they want to pay it for it. And I don't think that's happening. That's not happening. Their health care premiums have gone up. They are pay, either paying more taxes or the same unless they're part of the super rich. Yeah. So... What motivates them? He didn't save coal. He didn't do any of that shit. So coal's back. Baby. Why would you? Why right. would you be like? Harley well, Davidson's at least I got, I'm getting what I want. Companies moving to different countries, <laughs> and so so I think that you know what we can hope for is is that the the, the this these the scale swings. So it can't be you mentioned you mentioned gerrymandering. I think it has to be can't be like oh wow it's like a fifty fifty by like ten votes. What has to happen is that there needs to be overwhelming, like sixty to like seventy percentage percent. points, like like significant percentage points. Yeah. I mean, it could be. I mean, polls this week looked good from CNN. There was double digit leads. So all I know is we got to keep everybody has to keep the pressure on, keep people excited and, and invested and interested. I I we need to stop shit talking Alexandria Ocasio Cortez because like are we shit talking her? Uh, yeah, a ton of people are just being like, oh, we're not going down this road, or like just spending. So it's like, guys, if she's making people excited. I don't. We'll argue about socialism later. Like, who gives a shit? Who cares? She's getting people to vote. Just shut the fuck up. I mean, listen. I've met a lot of different types of Democrats. I mean, some people are like, oh, people yeah. are like, mm, she doesn't know that much about Israel. Could it's you like, shut the fuck up? I mean, please. You know what? All you need to know about Israel is they passed a law that basically is like a Nazi law. They passed a yeah. law that is like you. We are a Jewish state, and our first language is Hebrew, and all of this stuff, and like. It's an insane law, and I can't even go into it. We, no, we can't get into We're no, not going to solve Israel Noah here. Colwin, actually, Noah Colwin, the writer, wrote something very good for— I can't think of what publication it is now, and uh, so forgive me. But um, he wrote something very good about that I recommend everybody read, and if I could tell you what it was called or where it is. Uh, anyhow, I would— Google uh, it. I would uh, try to— try to. Anyhow, look that up. Look for it. Um, yeah, we should move on. Yep. Yeah. We're gonna, we have a great interview— Say that again. We should move on. We have a great interview coming up with my wife and the author, Laura June, who has just published her first book, a memoir called Now My Heart is Full. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be back with some very personal, very nasty stuff. What happens if you play Monopoly 
with real money. You've got to pay the piper. Okay, let's pay the piper. There are no free lunches in this completely reinvented game of Monopoly. What does space sound like? What happens when you overwork yourself? Do you believe that work-related stress has increased? It reflects the fact of how little value we place on the well-being of human beings. The Outline World Dispatch. Every Monday through Thursday, we bring you a new story on the theme of power, power culture, culture, or the, the future. future. Handpicked from theoutline.com. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, your Amazon Alexa Flash Briefing, or wherever you download your podcasts. Also, you can say, okay, Google, play me the news, and we're right there. Oh my God, yeah! Make your mornings a little weirder. Uh, my guest today is a uh, very talented uh, young lady uh, from the great state of Pennsylvania. Uh, she's an author. She is a, a journalist. And most importantly, she is my sexual partner uh, in Your life. wife. She's also my wife. My wife. My wife. I'm, of course, talking about the inimitable Laura June. Laura, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. You know, I love in our bedroom. Yeah, I mean, I should say that we're recording this interview. This is an interview recorded in our bedroom, on our bed. Uh, there's nothing sexual about it. It's just that it's we're a very, both nude. It's a quiet place. I think the same joke was made the last time we recorded yes, an interview definitely. in this in this situation. It's just a quiet room with great acoustics. Anyhow, look, let's get to let's cut to the chase. Okay, let's not beat around the bush. Um, Laura June has just published her first book. It is a memoir on Penguin, the imprint Penguin Books. Is that an imprint, or is that just the name of the company? I, I have no idea. The bo- Honestly, the, they have, maybe there's have heard- many imprints of Penguin random You maybe house. have heard of it. It's Penguin. It's a very popular brand that all the folks, all the book folks are talking about. Anyhow, she published a book. It's called Now My Heart is Full. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a memoir, as the French call it, and uh, it is about... Uh, it is about many things, but it, it, I think most importantly, it's about uh, our daughter Zelda, uh, Laura's experience uh, as a new mother, and uh, her relationship with her mother, um, who was an alcoholic. Who was awesome. Who was an awesome alcoholic <laughs> who drank herself to death. Yes. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but... Uh, but she's dead. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So let me ask you a question. Yes. You wrote this book. Yes, you, I did. Now the book is is the book is comprised of many stories that I've heard uh, for many years. Yes, but then there are stories in the book that I haven't heard. Right. How do you? <laughs> why do you? I guess here's a question. Because I can write about my parents and uh, my family and my and and you should my because, experience I mean, as a human. Why was it? Why did you want to write this book? So I. Th- think it was a thing that happened in stages when I started writing about Zelda I wrote a couple of things for the all which were not really like conscious decisions to like be uh like a mommy blogger you had a you started a column for the all called the parent rap Yes, but we didn't have a name for it originally. I wrote like a couple of things where it was like not clear that it was going to be like a regular thing. 
Um, Who named I, it? Who named it? Uh, Matt Buchanan named it, I believe. Matthew Buchanan? Matthew Buch- <laughs> Buchanan, yes. Yeah, okay, all right. And so I, you know, just like sent him the first maybe one or two or three of them where it was like I <clears throat> knew I wanted to go back to writing, but I had no, um, you know, I'd done nothing for six months but be a mother you were, you were parenting. Not, yeah, you were a great mom. I was like six on, months straight. I was on leave. I was just kind of hanging out, and uh, and I sort of, you know, just wrote what I was thinking about, and uh, there was a really good response to it, and people started emailing me and tweeting at me and saying like, "I'm really happy that you're, you know, writing about these things." Because there's like nothing online or in anywhere uh, that like gets to the, that like talks the way that you talk about your experience. And so I just sort of kept going. But this does not answer my initial question. Right. So, so that was the first stage. And so I did that for like two years. And eventually like, you know, I got an agent and she was like, we should do a book of essays. And I was like, yeah, like... I think that's a great idea. But like at a certain point in the process, I was like, oh, I think I've been like sort of writing around something. And I had a conversation with her um, like the night before Thanksgiving one night. And I I was like, oh, like, you know, like there's something like kind of really fucked up, which is I had a really, really terrible relationship with my mother and she's dead. And she was an alcoholic and I think it's informed a lot of my feelings about parenting. And that was sort of the beginning of thinking about how I would write a book. Did uh, I want to, I want to uh, back up a little bit for a second. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know for people who are listening to this, they may or may not know this, but Laura and I have uh, uh we had a very complicated relationship <laughs> and uh, some of the time that we've been in our relationship, our romantic relationship, our spiritual relationship, we've also worked together. Yep. Um, I've edited you. Yep. You've edited me. Yep. Um, we've, we have uh, now learned that editing each other is a huge mistake. And yes. uh, actually I don't mind when you edit me, you, you fly into a complete mm. rage whenever I give you an edit, but that's I'm a whole different, that's a completely different story. But, but Every, um, everyone I've ever worked with, every editor mm. is like, Oh, you're so great. To no, edit. I'm sure that's true. It, that just is, <laughs> makes it so much more galling to know that when I give you a piece of uh, constructive like, criticism, fuck or, you. You, you No, no. The reaction is something like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I think this could actually be and instead of the or whatever. You know, I don't know what that. I don't know if that's an edit that could actually happen. Uh But but you're like, how dare you suggest and Mm -hmm. or whatever. I mean, you don't wouldn't say that, but it's it's more aggressive and personal. But um, but so so Uh we've had a we've had a long history of 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 uh, collaboration, right? And I don't. This is honestly, this is not important information right now, but. But no, you know, I, I did think when you were telling me these stories, I always felt you mean about my mom. Yes, about your mother and about uh, well before Zelda, obviously, but yeah. about yourself. I always thought that it was a that there was a book there, right. and and 
And uh, I mean, I think what you're saying is like you you decided to write a book not by, you know, you were like, I'm going to write a book because that's what I want to do. But you wrote a book because it just was a gradual progression from writing about yourself and writing about Zelda. Yeah, I mean, because I think that like when you originally like suggested that I would write a book about myself, which was, you know, 13 years ago or Long something. Long before you had anything, really think to, anything to say about yourself. Right. Like, I had been, like, keeping diaries and stuff, and that's probably, like, how my voice developed. But I think that, like, I would have balked at the idea of, like, exposing myself earnestly yeah. to the world. That's right. And I think when Zelda was born, <clears throat> that began a process of me going like, wow, this is really fucked up. I feel like this experience is not anything that I have ever read about. And that like through like a series of steps, I got to the place that you had originally suggested, which was like, oh, you should write about your mom and like your right. experience with her. Right. Uh, through a series of unfortunate events, you yes. ended up. Uh, <laughs> but no, but I, I do think, I mean, you know, wh- when I, I mean, your stories, now I never, I had never met anyone or been close to anyone who had alcoholism as a, who had dealt with alcoholism or even really understood alcoholism. I mean, I, <clears throat> I have people in my family who drink, uh, myself, but they become cooler. Myself, when they being, drink. myself being one of them, but uh, but no, it was like you know I, I had never encountered like actual alcoholism, and when you told me some of the stories about your your childhood, you know, uh, uh, your house burning down. Uh, <laughs> yeah, your, we're like your... immediately as soon as someone starts drinking, they're like, "I'm gonna destroy everything." <laughs> well, I mean, it it was just it was just so um, it was so outsized to. My stories, I mean, of right. my of my childhood were like, oh, my mother got mad at me because I, you know, uh, swapped sandwiches with the kid at school, and she, yeah. thought, she thought I was being scammed out of my sandwich or something, you know. Which I think is <laughs> you're scammed so many times. I mean, that's an interesting child. story to explore. Don't get me wrong. Like I remember Eric, my brother, you know, he like swapped swatches with a friend of his, and my mother was so mad. So they were, you were, they so, were so, he was so scammed. They were so sure that, that he had been scammed out of his swatch or whatever, right? And it's like, look, he got a swatch in return. It's not like he ended up with no swatch. Yeah, but it was the worst swatch. But you know, though. that's Eric's story, and I want to let right. Eric. I'll let Eric let him, tell it. I'll let, let Eric tell, tell it. But my point is, I, the stories were like, oh yeah, like your mother burned your house down or whatever, which mm-hmm. is it. Which yeah. is, which is, you know, I felt scammed. <laughs> yeah, you got scammed out of a childhood. Is what and a house. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I had, I had yeah. no childhood. You got scammed sure. out of good memories. Um, yes. But, but no. But I, I, I do think it's interesting. I mean, you know, when I, when you were telling me those stories, I was like, wow, this would make a great book. But I didn't. I wasn't. You know, I was sort of half like, well, saying it because mm-hmm. it sounded right to me. It's pretty only incredible. because it was so extreme. I don't know right. where I'm, I don't know where I'm going with this except to say that it's incredible that you went from uh, telling those stories and thinking right. about those and stories and saying no thank you to the book, and then and then doing the and then doing a book about it. I did the book. Yeah, you did. You did the book. Did, I don't think you said no thank you to the book. Did you? No, I think I I scoffed at it pretty hard originally. Oh well, you're yeah. you're you're one of America's greatest scoffers, so that's not I, surprising to me. But, but but the book is dead. Yeah, you did the book, and and I guess. You know, this brings me to the ultimate question, which is yes. how is it that you made me seem somewhat cool in the book when I think that we all know that I'm a uh, 
uh, a te- like a te- I'm like I'm like living living with me is like living with a terrorist. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like a uh, every day is nine eleven with Josh Topolsky. Oh, you know? Osama bin Topolsky. Osama bin Topolsky is how I describe myself. Oh, and although we don't know that he did nine eleven, really, the jury's still out on that because you know, as we all know, um, it was, uh, uh, George, jet, George fuel, Bush. jet fuel cannot melt steel beams i think i've said that many times maybe you've seen my documentary on youtube but anyhow but but what is the question hold on i'm getting to it but you know you managed to i don't want to make this about myself but it is my podcast so i think no i I, I I want to talk about you because no one ever asks no one ever asks about me right though though uh early in the columns occasionally uh leah finnegan would comment uh because i rarely referred to uh zelda having a father and she'd be like, who's Josh? Yeah. No, it's, I was a bit, I was a shadow figure. You no, know, actually it's funny. And this is, a, I don't want to go on a tangent, but I was, I had, I had a drink with an old friend tonight who just recently had a baby. And I said to him, I said, uh, you know, he's in the, in the first few weeks. And I was like, oh, you're a, uh, you're a walk on part. You are a, a background character who maybe gets a line if you're lucky, you know, I'm trying to explain the situation, which is. That the dad, Josh, in my case, me, this guy, and you know, is really in the early parts, in the early days of a child's life. I mean, if if the mother is the primary caretaker, that's not right. always the case. And if you're the, the they're, they're if you're a, like a straight couple with yeah, you know, cis normative, you're given, a cis, like us, like a cis normative, uh, turf couple where you give give birth. Yeah, like I adopting. didn't give birth. I didn't give birth. I gave birth. Right. That's well. You know, we think we don't know all the details. It, it, I feel like still give out. birth is. I mean, generous. we don't know. I mean, you know, uh, had birth. jet fuel can't melt steel beams, so we don't know. But the point is that the dad is a secondary character. Yes, <laughs> and I agree. And 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 so I understand why Leah Leah Finnegan, you know, one of the great editors of the Outline, would would be skeptical about my existence. Great editors of all time. And one of the greatest editors in America, in American history, in American journalist journalism history. <clears throat> but but I can understand why she'd be skeptical about my existence. Right, and that's that's that makes sense. But I guess what I, what I would say, getting back to my my core point, which is very clear, about you. I'm sure this must be very enjoyable for people to be listening to. But uh-huh. it's that you know uh, you have to omit. Okay, when you write. Yes. It's not just inclusion. No. It's omission. It's mostly and, and, omission. And that's what I was going to say. And, and and tell me about that. Like you're writing I've never really written that much about myself. Yes. Uh, because if people heard about me and my personal stuff, they would be very upset and and disgusted. But but you write a lot about yourself, but you have to omit. So how do you decide? How do you contort yourself? To create a narrative that is obviously inclusive of much of what's yeah. happening in your in your world, so but is also leaving a lot out. So actually, this is like the most interesting thing to me, which is, you know, it's I'm I was not a person who wrote about myself for most of my writing career. I just was writing, and when I decided to write about myself, I was very very much aware of how what I would write would affect the people closest to me. Um, and the, those people were originally you and yeah. Zelda. Yeah. Like, for instance, like you um, talk about some uh, medical procedures that you had. Yes. In the book. Yes. And maybe your dad didn't know about. Oh, the abortion. 
Oh, okay. Well, we're gonna go there. Well, you talk I mean, about doing an abortion. Well, that that's that's now. Like originally, when I started writing about myself, I was writing around a lot of things. I was writing around uh, you and certain things about our life in our relationship. I was just writing about my experience with Zelda and sort of being alone with her. Right. And slowly over the course of, you know, two years, I be- I sort of came up against the wall of like, I would like to write about my mother. And because my mom was dead, I felt entitled to write about her. Yeah, I mean, what's she going to do? Right, but like also like, I feel like, you know, alcoholism is a thing that I would not, you know, if my mother was alive and an alcoholic, I would not write about her because uh, I feel like... Yeah. Well, it's a, it, I feel like it's a it of, of course it would affect me, but it's not my story. What about under a pseudonym? What if you could write about her? You know, you were um, you had a non de plume, as they say. As they, no, I would not, just have no desire. Non, non like, de plume. I mean, is what it not? Is it M? Is nom no, de plume. It's no. Okay, I don't speak French, but no. I know that that means a pseudonym. Yeah. And no, I, I just. What about no, if you wrote under the name, like let's say E. L. June? <laughs> you mean fiction? No, you were writing the truth, but it was under a different name. Would you then maybe consider writing? Well, I about? actually think that like the point of writing uh, memoir and nonfiction is like you're exposing something about your life so that other people can relate to you and connect with you. Right, like and that was what what originally drew me to it. Like I was originally just like writing because like that was my material, and so I was like reaching out, and like I didn't feel like I was like trying to connect with people, but then they responded, and so I kept going. People who were reading your column, yeah, yeah. and I, I started to hear from people, and that made me feel like there was like some kind of void. Uh, some lack of material in the world that about about writing reckon- about writing about child rearing in the early stages and yeah, the experience like, that a person like has the, yeah like the identity stuff like the things that happen to you when you have a kid and you are a modern person with a career and the changes that you undergo like I just felt like very changed by it and I felt like as soon as I started writing about it like people started to email me and uh they were like oh like you know like the all had never published uh writing about parenthood before no that's because it was a, <laughs> it was a chic uh, and lots of lots uh, of publications which like didn't really cover parenting then do now because i feel like it's a thing that you know we've aged into but i think that like oh, but also it's 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 a content uh, i mean it's a uh it's a rich area of content that a lot of people sort of need. Well, you don't need it until you do. Well, no, but I mean, I'm saying a lot of people have kids. Most people. Have well, kids. I don't know. I don't know the details. I, I don't think know the most numbers. people will have children eventually. And well, even those I people would, who I, don't like physically have a child have like children adjacent in their lives. Yeah, they're child adjacent. I, I, I'm just saying that. There, there is now that we have a uh, a web, the world wide web. Um, yeah. It 
there is a hunger for genreification of yes of the things that people are interested in or thinking about or worried about or whatever and that has become a that whole world has become a genre right yeah like like just talking about parenting is a genre well i mean i think it's you know it's it's caused by a lot of things but i think that like you know the truth is that like uh even one or two generations ago it was never really a question of whether or not a woman would have a child or many and now it's like when you're 24 25 like that's a normal question for a woman to ask herself am I gonna get married am I gonna have a child uh in 1960 it was assumed you would do those things if you could physically. Look, we've all seen Mad Men. So and I'm we just know saying, what, like, what I'm saying is, like, it becomes more interesting to young women who would buy Vogue magazine. Is Vogue doing mommy blogging? I think Vogue.com does do some like adjacent parenting content now, Incredible. which is like incredible. Who would have ever thought that uh, <laughs> uh, Anna Wintour? Uh, would be which is like it's not sexy you know but like the, i think uh, i disagree i, I when think, i i think, I think pregnancy the decision, is a very sexy i think the decision to or not to is very important to young women uh, yes of course but but um but I don't know what. I have, first, I think we spiraled out of control here. I, I we did. No, I have no idea what we're actually talking about right now. I and nor can I remember the question that I asked. I think the original question you asked was about. I was talking about. Um, not close. Not no? right up on it, but okay. Yeah, that good. Is I that mean, better? just not like this far. I away. think the original question was about like. When you're writing a memoir, how to decide yeah. what how to include admit? and yeah. not. How do you admit? Yeah. And I think that, like, the truth is I was overly sensitive, and we've talked about this a lot. I'm acutely aware of uh, the living people in my life. And, in fact, like, the first draft that I gave to my editor, she, like, returned it to me and was like, I see what you're trying to do here, but like you're trying to protect your mother so much that like I have no sense of who she is. Yeah. And you have to, you have to give me more. Um, and so I think that like I always wanted to push against trying to be honest and truthful about what the experience of like being raised by this person who was really smart and intelligent and funny but also really sick and fucked up and what like without like sort of like portraying her life as a like graphic disaster area. Like how could I, what, what is honest without being overly graphic and hurting the people that are alive. And so there are lots of stories I could have told about things that happened to my brothers or whatever that I chose not to because I felt like, well, if they want to write about it, they can do that. Right. But also, I mean, uh, yes. I mean, obviously. Is that what you're asking? Uh, I mean, kind of. I mean, sort of, you know. But 
Yes. But I think that I guess I guess what I'm you know what I'm sort of getting at is and what interests me is this idea that you've got to form a narrative yeah. in your head and and then and and well one is that obviously like you have to take things out as well as put them in mm-hmm. but but your narrative is is structured in a way that is extremely unusual in the sense that it's a book that's partially about you well it's a lot about you Right. It's a lot about Zelda. Yeah. And your early experiences with her, mm-hmm. but it's also about your in relationship with your mother. Yeah. And how do you, I mean, this is maybe a really rudimentary, dumb question to ask, but how do you, how do you make that narrative work? Or why was it important to make that narrative work versus others that you could have written about? Like you could have written a book that's just about, okay, it's the first year I've just had a kid. It's the first time I've ever had a kid. Yeah. Shit's super fucked up. Yeah. And here's what I'm going to tell you about it. All the, so it could have, th- this could have been like the 10 things you need to know. Yeah. Or it could so, have been, it could have been, it could have been, um, uh, you know, how I felt during my first year of motherhood or whatever it is. But instead it's this like, you know, it's this travel log. Yeah. And like, so I think like, that first of all, yeah. that's been done a bunch. Which one? Uh, Like just, the mother, I became a mother memoir. Do you have a title for a book I could read about that? Is there something that you would recommend? Uh, yeah. One that I put off reading for a really long time is called, uh, I think it's called A Little Life. It's by Rachel Cusk. I, oh, Cusk. I, I, I yeah. love Cusk. So I, I, I put off reading it for a super long time. Because very, very early on in my um, writing about Zelda on the all, someone was like, oh, it's just like this. Like Cusk. Yeah. It's like your writing reminds me of hers. And so while I was writing the book, I read all of her fiction, which almost none of it has to do with her being a mother. Um, And only her recent books, which have made her very, very, very famous and sort of uh uh she's like ascended to the highest liter- literary circles Cusk. in America. Yeah. Yeah, um but I read most of her very early fiction the entire time I was writing the book because I was trying to put off writing uh reading her motherhood memoir. You don't rip her off. Yeah, because I had heard that like her writing was akin to mine and no, when i like, read it, it 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 is when you read something good though also it's like if you're in the midst of i mean if anything it's you like, don't want to read something that is you're like oh yeah this is exactly how i feel because yeah. you're like writing the thing too yeah but also it's like you know when uh if you're painting you know you don't want to be staring at a picasso you know you want to do your own right thing. so i read almost no non-fiction for like two years yeah but I mean, what I are think some books you read during that period. Can you just give me a well, one or two titles? I, as I said, I read all of Rachel Cusk, the non- which there's the, a lot of the novels. Fiction, the she fiction, read, yeah. she wrote tons of fiction. Right. She read like, you know, probably 10 novels. Did you read any, um, the science fiction? No. Uh, no. Then I, the only other, uh, I read uh, a couple of like true crime mm-hmm. and I also read, uh, a lot of, Knausgaard, which I kind of also stopped doing because he, it turns out, is also like sort of a mommy blogger. He's a medi- very mediocre writer. All right, go back to what you were saying. I'm just kidding about Knausgaard. Well, no, he, yeah, he's kind of like a mommy blogger. He's so the I best, sort of he's cut the best him off mommy blogger. as well. All right, okay, sorry. So you were saying. So I think that like that's been done. It's been done really well. 
And uh, I'm not sure how much I had to add to that. Like, my pregnancy was hard, but it wasn't the hardest pregnancy. I didn't struggle to conceive. I That's right. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> Boom. You know, I mean, I, you know, I had it <laughs> relatively easy, even though for me, like, it felt very hard. Well, you had preeclampsia, which almost killed you. Yes, I almost died, but, like... And someone almost died, but like well, we're I fine mean, now. I mean, she had she only had the umbilical cord wrapped around her throat three times. No big deal. By the time I started writing about her, I knew that like the pregnancy was not going to kill me or her. We were alive. We were thriving. And what I was most interested in were the sort of observational complicated feelings I had about my identity and I felt like these must be to some extent both distinctive to me and also universal to everyone um and I think that uh we've talked a lot about like why now like why are why are people doing this now I think that like it is to some extent like a product of a like a privilege of having the time to observe you know i feel like my mom would have had profound observations about my childhood but she didn't have the time because she had like another child 14 well, months after i was born right and so like with zelda i was like constantly just like observing her writing things down paying attention and like in awe of like every little development in a way that both fascinated me and also made me feel like I wanted to kill myself mm. and I felt like when I expressed that people responded to it in a way that was uh gratifying and made me feel like less alone but also made me feel like oh this is actually like performing a service to people the the communication of those yeah yeah i felt like oh like people don't actually talk this way but 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 how but why i mean you guys i guess well look i mean i know because it's what's in your head and in your heart but it was important to talk about your mother in in context. Yeah, so I talk mean, about, I talk think about that your experience with your mother in 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 relationship to your experience with Zelda. Yeah, I think that like it for me was a like logical, natural progression, which is not logical or natural to anyone else. Um, Correct. I wrote around my mother for a really long time. Like, I think that. Most women, when they give birth, the women who like physically like give birth to a child, they, if their mother is alive, will become closer to their mothers. And I became closer to my father. To a certain extent, I feel like I became closer to your parents. Oh, well, um, I really but I think that like my mother was dead, and I started to like think about her. And her life, not just like that she was an alcoholic and that she died, but I was like very suddenly presented with like the facts of her life where I was like, oh, she was, you know, 20 
when she had my brother. Right. And she was 29 by the time she had my youngest brother. And there were four of us. And I, you know, it started to like seem, I started to wonder like, what did she want for her life? Did she think about her life that way? And so I started to think about her alcoholism in a different way because I started to think like maybe she like had a reason to be sad and maybe it was us. Mm, well, I, you can't blame yourself for that. <laughs> no, not, not like blaming myself, but like maybe her life was like not what she wanted it to be. Well, that's right. I mean, that's something that I've always thought when you've told me stories about her and in, in the book, reading the book is that y you do get the impression of, or the picture of a person who has, you know, to your point earlier about how women in the sixties were like, yeah. Oh, I'm going to have a kid, you know, she may have not wanted to have a kid, but that really was not an option in that era. Right. She found herself pregnant at some point early in her relationship with my father. Yes. And then she had a child and then she was married. And so she never really had a life uh, between like living with her parents and then living in a dorm and then like being in a house with my dad and a child. Right. And That's I think crazy. that That's crazy progression. And I think that like symbolically, I know that like people think of memoirs as like, you're just like, you know, shitting out the truth. But like, I think that like the reason I wrote about the abortion at the very beginning of the story is that I, I do think that my mother, uh, who was like a Catholic woman, uh, who probably was not really that into abortion, like politically, I think that the reason she did it and took me to and helped me to get it was I, I do think that she wanted me to have options that she felt like she didn't have. I think she saw it and was like, okay, I have a 17-year-old a daughter, my only daughter, um, who is now pregnant and like she could be on the same road that I was on. And that was complicated for me to think about because I thought like, well, maybe that means she like regrets the life that we've had. Right. Um, well, but I do think that she wanted me to have options. She didn't feel like she had for some reason. Um, so the book uh, is out now. It's on Penguin. Unfortunately. You can on <laughs> Penguin. It's, uh, it's on, it's in on Penguin. In Penguin. No, it's on by Penguin. It's by Penguin. No, it's with re Penguin released by Penguin books. Uh, and, and now you're doing a little bit of a book tour. Uh-huh. We're going to go to Pittsburgh. Yeah. I'm going to interview you. I'm going to have the same, same conversation. But worse. With, which, with, with just as much drinking. And uh, then. And less preparation. And then you're going to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. The big thing out there. Yeah. And then you're going to, you'll be in Tokyo, <laughs> Berlin, Paris. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Germany, but but my understanding is you're just going to the parts of Germany that the the most only where the Nazis the are. Nazi most Nazi part of Germany. Um, and anyhow, then I'm going to Israel, and then you're going to go to Israel to make amends for being in Germany. Anyhow, um, but no, so so uh, you know, any final? Uh, I don't know. I don't work with this. I know this is. I, I really thought that we were going to talk about like. Yeah, let's do it. I don't know, like, what? like what? You know, your questions are much different than I thought they would be. Are they? Yeah. Well, I've been drinking for several hours, so right. Like, what did you think? I, what would you? Think I don't know. I thought you would be? talk about like our relationship whenever we were parenting and stuff. 
That's not in the book. You know, it is. You know what's not in the book? It's in, it is. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. About how I like would uh, have a conniption fit yeah. in the middle of the night? It is. Is it? Yeah. I guess I I guess I guess should reread it. Yeah. I might have just uh, forgotten about that part because it's so embarrassing Oh, yeah. You sad. deleted your memory of my portrayal of your rage. Oh, am I am I do am I portrayed as a rage filled person in the book? No, I actually think I was really generous. You omitted. I think you omitted, as I was saying earlier, some things about my personality. I mean, I included some to great items. benefit to a great benefit to me. I included a few items. All right. Anyhow, the book "Now My Heart Is Full" by Laura June is out, available today on uh, wherever book wherever a book can be purchased. No uh, one knows. I, I, re- I recommend you can get it on Amazon. Oh, oh! I should also say this is very important. There's an audiobook version of "Now My Heart Is Full." Oh God, no! Don't read don't, by don't, don't. the author. <laughs> read by Laura June, and I have to say, read beautifully. Uh, to me, when I heard it, <clears throat> and I said this out loud, I to said, whom? To you. No. Oh. I said you could do this for a living. Except for I have a bad voice and a lisp. I said, you could do this for a living if your voice wasn't a bad. pile of dog shit that makes me want to vomit every time I hear it. You know, the first <laughs> thing the first thing I really remember about you oh, um, is that you were like editing or like sort of like doing some production on my band's demos and you were like oh fuck you really hiss your asses so much did i say that yeah i you know I, I don't cut corners okay i don't pull punches i but i don't think i hiss them anymore right do i i, I don't know i don't even know what that means i mean when you like, hear <laughs> oh yeah yeah no you started that oh okay yeah, you know you sound yeah. like you're whistling all the time yeah just a non-stop whistle i have Anyhow, a lisp you have a lisp and a, a bad voice no, that's not true. You have a beautiful voice. <clears throat> Your tones are dulcet, as they say. And uh, I love your voice. I love hearing mm-hmm. it. Okay, we got to wrap this up. Goodbye. All right. Well, listen, uh, thank you for uh, doing this interview. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. And I think everybody should go and get this book, even if you don't care about children or addiction or death or <laughs> joy or abortions or Wacky Wednesdays. <laughs> Even if none of those things are interesting to you, I recommend you listen or to the nineties or Madonna. Or the, yeah, or Madonna or the nineties or or uh uh I guess my rage filled style. Or Josh Topolsky. My style of parenting. You wanna you want insight into my the life? Bitch. You know, forget <laughs> about Laura for a second. I know it's a memoir of hers, but if you want a little insight into what I'm like in my downtime, this is your opportunity. Uh-huh. Anyhow, thank you for doing this. You're welcome. Anytime. Okay. I love you. I love you too. Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best 
though I've just been informed that your family is publishing a tell-all memoir, and they are not omitting anything. <laughs>